Howdy and welcome to the Tim Week Bible Study. This is week eight, day one of our study of First and Second Timothy. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. Welcome back to the Tim Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to all to check out the resources that we have at 10weekbible.com. We need to know God's Word now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study group at your church or in a small group in your home. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We're reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, all of the stuff that I've taught you, you now need to go teach other people. You actually, you, you need to commit these things. You need to be raising up leaders. This is something so important in the life of the church is that not that we just build a ministry for ourselves, platforms for ourselves, where people come listen to us, but that we actually develop new leaders. There has to be a continuity of leadership. And the Lord will do it. The Lord will raise up leaders, but we are charged. Leaders are charged with raising up new leaders themselves. This is something that I, I feel like is is pretty intuitive. And it's something that throughout Christian history has it's been pretty intuitive, self-explanatory that you've always got to raise up new leaders to carry on. But it seems like something that I I feel like I'm seeing less and less of, even even though there is an explosion nowadays of, of books on leadership and how to raise up leaders. It feels like something across the body of Christ that there's a lot spoken of, but it it feels like as ministries get bigger and kind of the multi-site church campus thing gets bigger, that the emphasis on reproducing teaching offspring within the church is something that that seems to be waning in importance. That as as churches, at least in America and probably the West, have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. There's bigger and bigger personalities to go along with those. And I think in a lot of ways, we actually need smaller personalities in smaller churches, but a lot more of them. We need a lot more of those kinds of things. And so that necessitates, even though that doesn't pay the bills as well as kind of the the multi-site church campus And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. If that's what the Lord has called you to, if that's the church environment you're in, then that's fine. I'm not saying that that is inherently a bad thing, but but because it's working, because that is effective for for certain churches and certain environments, it, it seems like most of the church wants to go that direction. And I think that's the problem is just because it works for someone else doesn't mean that that's the model that all of the rest of the church in America needs to follow. I don't think that at all. I would hope that most churches are still 
hoping to raise up leaders that can carry on the work that they're doing and even plant some new works in the process. Most churches don't need to get super huge. And a lot of times what happens is, is there's, there's so many churches where that multi-site thing, it really works. The Lord is breathing on it. The Lord's working on it. And then there's a whole bunch of churches. It seems like they're doing it because it's working for someone else and they do it. And it, it just ends up becoming this, this giant money games. Like you got to keep the the revenue up. You got to keep the donations up because they got to support the buildings and all of the ministries and all of the things. And that's not what the Lord has called us to. And there's always financial realities to things, but that's not the thing that the Lord has called us to. The thing that the Lord has called us to is the gospel. And so the church structure that we're involved in should support the gospel, not take away from it. So if you find that that church structure, and again, there's financial realities about everything that you just have to deal with. Beside that, if the financial realities you find are actually taking away from the gospel, maybe it's a good time to rethink how those things are working and pivot. Maybe it's time to go smaller and start raising up new leaders and that's got its own mess right there's no there's no silver bullet here that that presents its own challenges for sure there's a lot of challenges with that as well but it's the thing that Paul actually commands us to do continuing on verse 3 you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So Paul is, is making a, a bit of a metaphor here and telling Timothy, you're actually a soldier, right? You are a, a soldier enlisted in this army and as soldiers don't get to decide their own orders, right? Soldiers follow orders. Otherwise, an army doesn't work. If every soldier just does the thing that they think is necessary, right? When you're on the ground, you definitely get to see the realities of what that that battle is like, but you don't see the battle five miles away and 10 miles this way and 100 miles that way. You don't get to see the big picture, right? And so there are, are people who are looking at the overall strategy. And as a, that individual soldier, if you're just doing the thing that you think is best, you may not be doing the thing that's best for the entire strategy. And th- there's those people that see that whole thing. And that's how any army works. You have to see the overall strategy and then you have to have soldiers that obey orders to carry out that strategy or everything falls apart immediately. It doesn't take a matter of time. It's like it ha- it falls apart right then. It, it, it doesn't work. No army in the history of mankind has got soldiers who get to be empowered to make their own decisions. You are enlisted and you serve the one who has enlisted you. And so, so Paul's making that, that analogy, that metaphor here with Timothy is like, you are a soldier and you have, have got to do the will of the one who has enlisted you. And so there is going to be suffering and you have to understand that there's a reward. Paul's already talked about that reward, talked about not being intimidated by all of, of, of the negatives that and not to be ashamed of the gospel, but but that we should press into that. We have to have a mind on eternity, right? So he's he's going to give three main metaphors here 
The first is this soldier that we've got to do the will of him who has enlisted us. Just like Jesus said, I don't do my will, but I do the will of the one who sent me. Verse five. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, right? If you break the rules you and win, you don't win. You're called a cheater. It doesn't matter if you get to the finish line first. If you took a shortcut to get there, everyone's going to say, well, you cheated. You don't get, I don't care if you won. You're a cheater. You're not a winner. You're a cheater, right? And so we have to basically And I think the rules that Paul is talking about here is that the Lord has given us an assignment. The Lord has given us something to accomplish, and we have to be faithful to that. Again, as a soldier doesn't get to just go off and do whatever they want, they have to do they have to follow orders in athletics. We have to play by those rules. We have to 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 stay in 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 the place that the Lord has called us to be. We can't look over there and say, man, that colonel, he's got a much cooler job. I want his job. I'm going to do the things that he's doing. We don't get to make that decision. That's a decision for the Lord. And so we have to uh, fight it out wherever we are. Verse six, the hardworking farmer must uh, be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. This one is a, a, a bit interesting, right? It almost doesn't fit. The, the first two things are we've got to um, we, we've got to do kind of what we're told. We've got to be that good soldier. We've got to follow the rules, play by the rules in athletics. And then he gives a, a third metaphor, a, a third analogy here that that almost doesn't fit with the first two. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. I think, and and the reason it doesn't fit is because I think at first glance, you read this and you say, uh, well, in this metaphor, in this analogy, am I Timothy? Am I the farmer? Are we the farmers here? I believe what Paul is getting at here is that the Lord is is actually the farmer. (laughs) He is is the farmer where the hired hands. So, so very often in, in scripture, we talk about the good shepherd, the, the, this, this idea of the shepherd and the hired hand comes up. And, and I've heard a lot of people that every single time in scripture, when this is taught all, almost every single time, I can think of a couple noteworthy exceptions, but almost every single time the good shepherd, the, the, the shepherd that does right is always, it's an allusion to the Lord himself and the hired hands. They're the us. (laughs) We're the hired hands. We're the ones that don't really have the sheep's best interest at heart. We mostly have our own interest at heart. Maybe occasionally we, we, we put their best interest at, at heart, uh, through some altruism or even on accident, but it's really the Lord who has the sheep's best interest at heart and the hired hands, us pastors, leaders, whatever, um, we kind of struggle to, to, to get those incentives right. And so I think in this analogy, it, it does make sense if you understand the farmer to be God himself in the same way that in, in a lot of the metaphors, uh, analogies of the good shepherd, the good shepherd is always Jesus. It's not us. We're not the good shepherd. We're the hired hands and we need to be more like the good shepherd but we don't understand our, ourselves to be the good shepherd. I think in this analogy, we don't understand ourselves to be the hardworking farmer. We're the hired hand who the hardworking farmer has to keep telling us, Hey, get off your lazy rear end and, and get back to work. Right. I think that's where this analogy goes. 
to Paul finishes these, these three analogies that we are working for the Lord and that we need to be willing to suffer for the Lord. We need to be willing to endure hardship for the sake of Jesus. This is all, again, a hard thing to swallow if we have not fully committed ourselves to an understanding of eternity, that there is an eternity to be had and that it's worth it. The Lord rewards that, that we actually are going to have an amazing inheritance for the rest of eternity. It doesn't work. None of this works unless that is an absolutely a consideration that we have in our minds for everything we do for Jesus. Paul finishes up and telling Timothy, consider all of these things and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. Um, being able to fully wrap our mind around why we should be willing to endure hardships for Jesus, right? That really does take supernatural revelation of the age to come. It really does. We don't come by this on our own. We need that revelation. I need that revelation. You need that revelation. So Lord, give us that revelation of why the hardships are worthy of enduring in in light of the age to come. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.